Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Hey, I heard you need an inspiration. He's Ilana and friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day, every little thing's gonna be a-okay. Hey everyone, new episodes of Little Known Facts drop every Monday and you can find them on your favorite podcast provider. Also, if you go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com, you'll find behind-the-scenes photos, videos, and interviews, and lots more on the gallery page. And if you are loving these intimate, candid conversations with all the artists who come on the show, please head over to the contributions page. I depend on these donations to continue to bring you these interviews every week. So if you love the show, please donate. I had the incredible pleasure of hosting a panel called Auditions, The Good, The Bad, The Hilarious with Donna Murphy, Andrew Keenan-Bolger, Leslie Margarita, and Emily Skeggs. The number of Broadway Tony Awards and nominations on that panel was sort of staggering. It was one of the most hilarious and fun and inspiring, unique events I've been a part of, and I'm so thrilled I get to share it with all of you. Little known fact, these actors are the most generous humans on the planet. I'm honored to call them friends, colleagues, and guests on Little Known Facts. Enjoy. A-okay. Welcome, all of you. And part of what I do on my podcast is I have my guests, all of whom have been on the podcast at this point, sharing some stories that have haunted them for many, many years for all sorts of reasons. So I want them to share some of those stories with you today because I think the thing about hearing these stories is it reminds us that we are all the same. That Donna Murphy, 100-time Tony Award winner... (laughs) Donna Murphy... Fact check. Do some fact checking on it. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. 78-time Tony Award winner, Donna Murphy. And you sometimes find that things don't go exactly the way you want. And so as much as I want us all to laugh together today... I also want or hope that my panelists will share things that maybe they've learned along the way that you can put in your pocket the next time you go on an audition and go, Don, I think Andrew Keenan-Bolger eats a lot of bananas before his auditions. Um, Lots of natural beta blockers. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually not joking. It really is. But I just happen to be eating a banana, not for that reason. Right. But it is good to know. So right first first little known fact of the day, bananas bananas up here quick. (laughs) Nature's beta blockers. So let me introduce my panel, because I assume we all know who they are, but for listeners at home, welcome Leslie Margarita. (laughs) Welcome Emily Skakes. Welcome Donna Murphy. 
Welcome, Andrew Keenan Bolger. And all of you give yourselves a hand for getting yourselves to Broadway Con, which is not easy. Okay. So, um, and welcome, Alana Labine. Oh, yeah. All right. I'm sorry if anyone can't see. Just find a seat that you can, because I promise you, you want to see the beautiful faces of my guests. So, who here, just by a show of hands, loves auditioning? Great. You may leave. <laughs> I love that, and I hope that you always will love auditioning. But do any of you want to start? Is there one of you that has something on your mind story-wise that comes to mind immediately? Yes, Donna Murphy. 1,000-time Tony Award winner, Donna Murphy. Now you got it right, finally. Thank you. And Leslie Margarita's idol, and I've had to separate them with Emily in the middle because it's all more than Leslie can bear. No, it's it's what you just said about in asking who loves auditioning. And... I can't say that I love auditioning now, but I, the thing is that when I started out, I actually did love auditioning because it was the only chance I had to work. That's where I did my work. And so I was excited with each opportunity to prepare something. It was my choice. I mean, sometimes there was something I was asked specifically to prepare, but typically in the very beginning, it was usually bring in music that I had chosen or a monologue that I had chosen. And so it was a chance to to work, both in the preparation of it and in presenting it. That was, sometimes that was the only performance gig I had for months were those auditions. And I loved the chance to do different things and surprise people and surprise myself. So at that time, I remind myself of that now. You know, and it's, I don't necessarily get as excited about, I mean, I get excited about the opportunity for the, the possibility of the job. But the audition itself is a whole different, it's a whole different thing than doing the work once you actually have the job. And it's hard in different ways, but it can be an exciting opportunity. And I, I was reminded of that as you asked the question, and I had the inner groan going on, but I was remembering how much I loved the opportunities and had fun preparing for them and doing them. You know, and wh whether I got the gig or not, and not I'm human, I was disappointed if I didn't, but I still felt great having been in the room. Oh my God, I got to be in the room and audition for this particular director or this particular theater or for a particular role. Or I saw so-and-so at this audition and it made me realize with a growing sense that I was part of, I was becoming a part of the theater community in even just the audition process of trying to get a job. Would anyone... Dead silence. <laughs> <laughs> That's the saddest story I've ever heard. I know, it was kind of tragic, but it's true. <laughs> but I think that's true. There is absolutely this kind of social aspect of it. At least you know you're going to get to see people that you love, even if you don't end up seeing the director again at the actual job. Fair enough. You were just at an audition today, Leslie Margarita. How did it go? Um, I was actually telling Andrew this right before. So no matter how much work you do, you still have to audition. <laughs> and you're constantly having to prove yourself. And I actually don't enjoy, I love uh, acting auditions, but singing auditions I don't enjoy, especially if it's something that is not my own. When they give you material from a brand new show, it's terrifying because you're in front of the actual lyricist. And, and um, yesterday, I don't know, I put on my Twitter, I auditioned for something yesterday 
and that's, I actually went back today. So yay, I got a call back. But no, oh, oh, but wait, oh, but wait. So yesterday though, the, I, w- I was given this material and, and usually I, I hold the words because I just don't want to get the lyrics wrong in front of the lyricist. However, even if the words are right in front of me, I will make up my own. And this is what happened yesterday. And I was singing and literally the lyricist is right there and he's like. Oh. So then anyway, so they said, okay, go home and then come back this morning. And so this morning I, I was there and everybody, you know, everybody's there. And in the middle of the song, there's kind of a point where I could stop. They could have me stop or I could go on. So I'm singing, I'm singing. I'm like, okay, getting the lyrics right, fine. And then right at the point where, okay, do they want to hear me sing more? The director goes, uh-huh. And I went, what does that mean? <laughs> is that a huh, go on? A huh, I've seen enough. And so I stopped and I went, oh, do you want me to go on? And he went, no, no. <laughs> and I said, great, uh, okay, great. Anything else? No. <laughs> and then I left and I, it's, that happens more often than not where you just kind of go, I have no idea what happened. <laughs> I have none. Yes, I saw some friends. Great, I'm going to Broadway Con. But literally, that happens more often than not. And you probably got the job. <laughs> That's the craziest part about it is half the time I leave a room and I'm like, there is no way in the world that I'm ever going to book that. And then I do. It's always the ones where you're like, it's in the bag. and It's so far out of the bag. <laughs> that, like, it's always the, oh, I got lipstick on your... Oh, uh, uh. <laughs> Auction the mic off now that Leslie Margarita's <laughs> lipstick is on there. Andrew, do you have any story that comes to mind uh, from your audition catalog I, that might entertain the troops here? I do. You know, I was a child actor for uh, a lot of my childhood, and <laughs> I good that it happened. Yeah, I definitely have one horror audition story that like really sticks in my mind. Um, he said horror, not whore. Oh, just yes. so you know. No, those are mine. Yes, I am not Donna Murphy's character in Hello Again. That's really inside baseball. Oh, okay, I'm such a nerd. It. No, that I, was the character's name, whore. you guys. Okay, I played a whore. <laughs> in the playbill. It's, it's cool, it's cool. It's all good. Um, whore. I, <laughs> when I was about like 12 years old, I probably have to set this up too. I'm Full disclosure, I know you're all going to be like, oh, this is so sad. When I was younger, my mom was, like, diagnosed with cancer, and she ended up passing away when I was, like, 15. That's just, like, a little background. Um, it's great, though. I'm, I'm fine now. Um, but sort of like when she was, like, in the thick of treatments, um, I had a film audition uh, for a character that had to, like get in a car crash with his mom and then the audition was just me improving, holding my like dead mother's body and being like, mom, you gotta get up, you gotta get up. And so I was like, oh boy, how do we do this? So I went in, um, they're like, all right, uh, we're gonna put you on tape. You're not reading with anyone. It's just, if you could improv for a few minutes, um, this whole experience. I'm like, okay, got it. Like in my head, knowing that this is like maybe a possible reality. Uh, so I start improving, like, Mom, come on, you gotta, you gotta get up, Mom. Just like tears streaming down my face, like clearly actually doing some therapy, like on spot in like a very like bad way. And so then I finish and I'm like, all right. And the person, I look up and she's standing at like the tripod 
and she says, I'm, I'm so sorry, like five seconds into that, the tape ran out. Can you just do that again? <laughs> um, yeah. So that was like a bad time. But there's a happy ending. This is very, oh. You guys, it's only the first hour of Broadway Con. I already got hugged by Donna Murphy. This is, this is what it's all about. But very cyclical. Um, so cut to like 15 years later, um, I've created this uh, web series called Submissions Only with uh, my good friend and collabor collaborator, Kate Weatherhead, which is all about like the hilarious, sometimes humiliating world of auditioning for musical theater. And for one of our cold opens, Kate was like, tell me if this is too soon, but what if we wrote a scene based on that awful thing that happened to you when you were 12 years old? And so, watching it now, it's hilarious. And we cast like the greatest little child actress, this girl named Sadie Sink. You probably know her from Stranger Things as Mad Max. And uh, we basically, it was a pretty much verbatim of what happened to me. And it's funny that like, when you put dramatic music and like little like, dun, 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 that it could actually be a comedy, something that horrible. So I was able to turn that awful experience into something fruitful. And I didn't get that job either. They were like, do it again. And I was like, no, it's not going to happen. Do you, do you remember what the movie was? I don't actually. No. For you. Okay. Yeah. Maybe that's it never right. got made. Yeah. That's right. I think that's the point. Yeah. No one knows what that movie was. <laughs> it was called Big. <laughs> I think that story also just shows us the power of music, huh? To turn it all around. Indeed. Truly. <laughs> that's all I want to say. So, how many here either saw Fun Home the Musical or have listened to Fun Home the Musical? So we are lucky to have this panel graced by Emily Skeggs, and who played middle Allison. And she began her Broadway career as an understudy in a show that she ended up being Tony nominated for, which is an extraordinary thing. Crazy. Crazy. You can quote her, crazy with a K. Can you tell us how you got that job? Because it was sort of a little backdoor. Yes. I, I got the call to audition for the Undercity role of the public on a Monday. My audition was the next day on a Tuesday. Um, I learned changing my major in 12 pages of material in less than a day, which was terrifying. Walked in there. Heidi and Jordan are the casting directors for the public. Amazing, amazing, amazing people. So, so kind. Was not expecting Heidi to get up and read with me and stand right here the whole time, which was just a perfect way to generate some very genuine media Allison anxiety and nervousness. <laughs> and got the call the next day that I got the job. So within like two, basically two days, I was understudy and went in that night to uh, see the show for the first time. So my whole sort of like throw into professional life was basically in three days. That was the whole process. And then I learned the show in about a week, a week and a half, and then I went on one Friday night and never stopped going on. So it all happened very, very fast. Um, 
I, I like to say that it's like one of those situations where you never know what the opportunity is going to be. And so you should just be ready. Just be ready at any point to slay and to kill it and do all you can. Stay up all night if you have to. Um, to be prepared and learn the part because it could happen in three days. So that's my little story. That's my, my good story. Do you have a bad story? I do indeed. Okay. <laughs> I, um, and that movie was big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of people don't know that's actually me on the piano, not Tom Hanks. No, so I went into audition for this amazing Alice in Wonderland that Duncan Sheik was doing. And it was such a cool, cool project. And I was so excited. And it's set in, like, the World War II era, like, Britain. And so I was like, I'm going to dress the part. And I, I wore, like, a shirt dress uniform and, like, army boots. And I was like, this is perfect. I got there. I had the audition. I knew there was going to be callbacks that afternoon. Did not know that the callbacks would be a dance callback. Everyone is in these amazing tights, looking fine, looking fabulous. I am in my army boots and my dress. We're doing this crazy, like, choreography that's like, get down on the ground, and then you roll around, and then you, like, put your leg up here, and then someone, like, picks you up. I'm in this dress that's riding up, and, like, my tights are falling down to my knees. Duncan Sheik is sitting right there, and I'm like, I can't hide this anymore. And I look at him, and he looks at me, and he just goes. (laughs) So, lesson learned, always bring a pair of tights or something. And I did not get the job. Well, Duncan's here today, Emily, and... (laughs) Is this, like, one of those, like, Maury, and we're going to have, like, a confrontation now? A little bit. And Duncan is your father. <laughs> That's what happened. Donna, so I know how much you looked forward to auditioning just for the when sake I of auditioning. When you were very, very young. When you were little. When you were little. But I remember in our chat, and you can share this or something else, yeah. they're playing our song. Do you remember that show? Oh, oh they're wait, playing wait. our song. Oh, yeah, they're playing it's our really song. really old, guys. Yeah. 19... I think it opened in 79. Who's on it there? Yes, yes Broadway Khan. Yes, woman. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so that was a show that starred uh, Robert Klein and Lucy Arnaz and was written by Neil Simon with music by Marvin Hamlish and Carol Bayer Sager. And it was loosely autobiographical about their relationship, Marvin and Carol Bayer Sager. And it was basically two leads, and each of the leads had three alter egos who were really backup singers for the most part in the show. And um, I was a sophomore at NYU. I was studying in the undergrad drama department with Stella Adler. I wasn't studying musical theater. I wasn't, I was sort of sneaking some singing on the side, mostly by going to open calls for musicals, which was not something I was supposed to do while I was at school. But I did have a class that was called Survival in the Theater. And we, yeah, how about that one? Yeah, Yeah, it was actually a class. Can I audit that? Yeah, right, yeah. Um, And it was talking about the practical aspects of a potential career in the theater. And one of our assignments was to buy backstage, which I bought my first copy of, like, the day I arrived in New York before classes started at NYU. So I had been looking at backstage periodically. But anyway, buy a copy of backstage. It still exists, right? Right? Now it's online, probably. Uh, And choose an audition, attend it, 
do your stuff, and come back and report on the experience. Assuming that people in the class were not auditioning because the rules then in, in the department were that the first two years you did not perform at all, not even in school productions. They were trying to give you a, a foundation of training that where you were not falling back on perhaps bad habits you had. They wanted you to be conscious of what you were doing and by the time you were shaping a performance. So anyway, I broke those rules a lot Three of- Three times a day. Yeah, <laughs> many, many times. Uh, but. Here now I had permission to attend this audition. So I chose this, they were casting um, swings. They needed a swing. The show was, had opened, it was a hit, and they needed a swing for the three women. They had a swing who was more of a dancer and the roles were, the, the singing was more important in this situation than the dancing. But the dancing was of some import. Um, I need to kind of say that. So. Um, I went to the open call, I got typed in. Uh, anybody not know what typed in means? You don't know what typed in means? Okay, so it means that you, you, they basically look at a group of you, often in a chorus call situation, and they decide whether you're physically going to suit their needs, which is, I don't think they do that so much anymore. It feels like, hello, a lot of trouble. Um, <laughs> Uh, in this case, maybe I needed to fit into somebody's costume, but there had to, whatever. I would, there, at that time, you got typed in or you got typed out, and that determined whether you went on to then get to sing, dance, read, whatever was going to be needed. So I got typed in. I had my first audition, which was singing 16 bars of This World from the Me Nobody Knows. Don't ask me why, but I love that show, and that's the song I sang. I got to riff and show a lot of range in 16 bars. So I had done that. I was at, it was the dance callback. So I was a singer who moved well. You know, there was, are those still those, are, the, are there still those distinctions, okay? Yeah, okay. So no dance training, um, but I love to dance, but I was not trained as a dancer, but I love to move. And so we... I think I had, the, the callback was to learn a combination and uh, they'd already narrowed the playing field in regard to the number of women who were called back for this possible job. And um, so we were taught the choreography and we were now doing it in small groups and we had done it in large groups previous to this moment. And Pat Birch, Patricia Birch was the choreographer on the show and um, it was time for my small group, and my small group got up, and I think I may have been in the first small group because she said, okay, everybody in the room, I just, I just want you to pay attention to something. I would like you to watch this, which I think she called me a girl, um, and I was, I was not yet 20, because I got, okay. No, 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 no. Oh, okay, 19, 19, so I was 19. And um, she said, I want you to watch this girl, and I want you to watch her from the neck up. Do not watch what the rest of her body is doing because it's kind of it's kind of a mess. Oh but God. what she's got is a sense of this character and this sort of um, a sense of she, she didn't call it the personality, but she said she, she she's she's giving the the moves a life that you can see in her face. But do not watch her from the the, the legs are going crazy. She said at some point. Okay, go. And I was, of course, horrified. Um, 
I, I wasn't yet at the point where I could go, just focus on the positive. She said, you're doing great from the neck up. I just thought, I'm a mess. It's been announced to everyone here, and pretty much my fate is sealed. But I did my best, and um, I did end up getting the job. What? Which is crazy. Crazy. And in some ways, she must have known that she was enthusiastic about the possibility. I'm sure she hadn't made her choice, and she wasn't the only person involved in the choice. But... I do remember it, you know, freezing me, and then I just went, you know what? I love to move, and I'm, I just got to go with it. And I, I, my choreography, I, it takes me a while. I'm still slow to get the steps, but then once I have them, I love it. And I, and I also have a lot of ideas of fun things to do with it and things to add to it if it's a situation that allows that. That was. That was that. I mean, but it had a happy ending. It was just a really kind of... St it's not that it was a horrible story. It was just kind of strange and <laughs> unexpected. And I didn't have that much experience auditioning at that point. You know, Bill Camp, who's an extraordinary actor, yeah. was on my podcast. He was in Death of a Salesman and Night Of, that HBO series, I think. Do you guys know who Bill Camp is? Mm -hmm. He's extraordinary. Anyway, he was on the podcast, and he was saying that the trick about auditioning, which is a really hard place to trick yourself into, is going in and leaving the wanting the job outside of the room. To find that that place, that sweet spot where you do the work with integrity and intention and desire minus desperation is a very, very hard combination of feelings and actions to have going on at the same time because you're there because you want it. It would be absurd for you not to desire the thing that you love to do most in the world. So can I go down and ask you guys, because there's no, we all want like, what's the magic pill? What's the thing that, you know, what does Andrew Keenan Bolger do to book the job that I can go do and book the job? But if there are things you've learned along the way that you guys feel like you can share that work for you, um, that might be helpful for all of us the next time, whether we are auditioning or going on a job interview, it's your body goes crazy in the same way when you want something. So do you mind sharing that? Where do I even start? Okay. I have to, at auditions, put giant headphones on and play video games um, so that even if I see my friends, I'm like, ah, but I don't like to get sucked into a room, especially because these rooms can be toxic that you're in. People, you know, and, and so I just like, kind of like to do my own thing and, and do that. The main thing that I've learned, and it's not a trick about booking the job, besides being as prepared as you can be, you have to know that a lot of times it has nothing to do with you. You can sound perfect, you can give everything to a scene, you can dance circles around people. It has nothing to do with your skill if, you're, if you've done a great job. Now, I've tanked my fair share of auditions and I go, well, okay, I'm not getting that. But you have no idea what is in the minds of the producers, directors. There are at least 89 people who have to agree on you to get a job, at least 89. And at final callbacks, you walk in and you're like, it's a room like this, I'm not even kidding. And because there are so many producers and everybody has a say. So it's, it's very difficult, I think, to, to get a job nowadays because there are so many people that have to say yes. So you have to leave what you've done in the room and it's out of your hands. And if somebody gets a job over you, it does not mean they are better than you. It means they were more right for that job at that time that day, it's just not your gig because somebody wanted a blonde, somebody wanted blah, blah, blah. You know, you just, if you do your best and you know you gave it all you got, you have to be proud of that and then you have to leave it and let it go. 
that's great. Amen. Sort of on that level, I've I've figured out that I do I, I'm the most calm and I'm the most open and receptive and ready to do work if I leave my ego at the door and I say, this is not about me, this is not about my work, this is about filling a hole that this project or this casting director needs to fill. And so I can go in there with as many expectations as I want about how this should look, how I should sound, how I should be uh, creating this character, but at the end of the day, the casting director or the director could say, could you actually do this? And that's more important to be able to be malleable and be open to many different possibilities and um, remember that it's not about me at the end of the day. It's about what's best for the production. And I think that that sort of going back to when I took over in Fun Home on Off-Broadway, Sam Gold said to me, your job is to support the show that's already been built. Your job is to come in and make sure that we can continue to do this show every night and the actors who are around you can continue to do the performances that they've built. And I you know, auditioning is sort of a different situation, but um, I try to think of it as that too. You know, my job is to support the script that's been written and to support the other actors that I'll be working with. And in that way, I can forget about, oh, I messed up a line or like I I probably look weird and like I'm, you know, all of that that just messes it up. And and that directors and casting directors, it's it's boring. Like no one wants to... No one wants to work with like, you know, like all of that, like nervousness, because it's not about that at the end of the day. It's about the show and and or the movie or whatever you're building together. One thing that I was just remembering is that there have been a couple of jobs where I've been given incorrect information. And sometimes, you know, it's so different from audition to audition. I, I don't know if you have similar experiences, but sometimes you get a lot of information um, about uh, what they think they're looking for, you know, in the character, about the project itself. Um, and I'm thinking both in terms of theater and in film and television. Um, sometimes you get very little information. Try to get as much information as I can. I will ask my agent have a manager, I'll ask my manager, just just sort of collectively, because sometimes everybody has a different piece, too. Mm -hmm. And it's really so that I just have as much, I can take that in, process that, and ultimately then, you know, do the work from as informed a place as possible. I'm remembering a particular audition situation where I would... I got information and it just was not making any sense. And you're going to get a kick out of this. Because it was for Tangled, the film. Okay, right? So I'd never auditioned for an animated film before. And I was told, I was auditioning for this character who was the witch-like character uh, in the Rapunzel story. Um, But it her name was Mother Gothel, and they gave me a bit of a breakdown, and they asked me to sing a Joni Mitchell-like folk song. <laughs> and that kept coming back to me. And I had like about a week or a week and a half in front of the audition, and I was losing my mind. I had sides, but not a full script, because Disney, of course, had their you know wraps on that script tight as it stood at that point. It was developed further, but... 
I had some scenes to prepare, and I went, okay, this character is what she is, and it was definitely on the road to becoming what it was in the film. I don't really, I thought I'm really gonna have to twist and contort a Joni Mitchell song to have that in some way give some indication of what I think I might like to bring to, or show them as a possibility of what I might bring. So I happened to be in the position of knowing, I'd, I had worked with Alan Menken many years ago, I didn't feel comfortable trying to reach out to him, but I had worked with James Lapine a number of times, he was good friends with Alan, so I emailed James and I said, can you possibly ask Alan about this? I'm just concerned, I'm hearing that, and I'm, I'm working on, you know, Ladies of the Canyon every, oh, every no. night. I'm trying to twist both sides now. Like, <laughs> I have taken it all. It just feels like I am trying to make, a, you know, a square, whatever. Uh, so, um, it, but I was working on it. It just, I thought there's something's off here. And then finally, long story short, I don't even know how it took, it took a lot of me being a pain in the you know what to finally find out, oh no, 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 that's for the Rapunzel character. <gasps> What we need is they want a traditional musical theater show-stopping number. <laughs> now this I found out like two days before no. the audition, which, as we know, that can be a long, that can be a nice big chunk of advanced time for an audition. But I had known for a week and a half about this audition and had been torturing poor Joni Mitchell's beautiful songs. <laughs> um, and anyway, long story short, I was like, okay, it's, I'm, I'm gonna work on Last Midnight because it's just boom. And I had never sung that before, but I shaped it, you know, with a, with a take on it that was not, uh, whatever, it, it had a, it, it, I wanted to try to take the tone of the script that I saw and show them my ability to play with the dark and light and humorous and twisting and turning on a dime aspects of this character. So that was a situation where just something kept telling me, keep asking the question, keep asking the question. Now look, I could have showed up in the room and done my crazy version of both sides now, <laughs> which probably would have been quite amusing if nothing else. Um, but it did, I used whatever resources I could and that was, you know, I happened to be fortunate in that I had worked with somebody who knew Alan. And, and casting said, I don't know how you were told. You know, I don't know how. So who knows where that came down the line. Now, sometimes you have that opportunity and sometimes you don't. But I do say, listen to your instincts to, to get the information you can. And then you've got to do your work. And I don't want to stretch this out because I want everybody to have their time. But the one other thing I, that I think is just so important is to remember, there's only one of you. I mean, I listen to other voices. I, 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 when I started in this business, I remember thinking, there's always going to be a better voice. There's always going to be somebody who's prettier or more character-looking or more ethnic-looking or less ethnic-looking. All the things that I seem to fall in between. There will be somebody who, in this given moment, is more of this or less than that of le or less of this. The things that I questioned in myself, the, qu the things that I was trying to figure out exactly what they needed. Well, you never are going to know that, obviously. What you do know is that there's only one of you, and not to get too spiritual about it, but I believe there's a, there's a piece of the divine in all of us, but it's expressed in a particular way through each of us. It's never gonna come out the same through me 
as it is through Leslie, as it is through Ilana, through anybody, through all of you. And if you spend your time trying to be more like so-and-so, sound more like so-and-so, give something, a performance that is emulating, I mean, you can be inspired by these people. Oh my God, thank you for the people who inspire us and urge us to, to be better and, and be our best. But ultimately, you want to be open to what inspires you and whatever you hear, see in life that moves you and influences you, all of that and your humanity, you've got to bring that into the room and trust that if you don't allow yourself to be yourself as the instrument that's expressing this character, you're denying the world this one possibility of that expression. We already have Andrew and Emily and Leslie and Alana and Meryl and Alice and Janie, all the people who I like go, oh my gosh, she's so, I wish I got, no, I've got, you know, you've just got to let yourself be open and accepting of what is specific and beautiful and unique about you. And then of course you have a character, you have to do that work and shape that character and listen to your directors. Uh, but never lose sight of that importance of being open to expressing something bigger than all of us through the you that is distinctive. I will shut up now. I know that everything Donna just said was amazing, <laughs> but I just want you to take a moment and I want you to remember the last thing she said. She looked at me, she said, Alana, and then she said, Meryl. <laughs> so Donna, that was beautiful, but I just think the takeaway oh is she God. looked at me and then she said, Meryl. <laughs> so we're done here. Thank you all for coming. Andrew, Meryl, oh, oh, Keenan yeah. Bolger. I mean, what am I possibly going to say? Like, make sure you steam before. Okay, that's it. Yeah. Um, I, I, Donna summed it up perfectly. I, the only thing that I would add to that is... Um, really? Is there any... No, I'm <laughs> I mean, no. No. I was going to say a far Bananas. less eloquent version. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> but I will also say, if you look at the five of us up here, we're, we're no one's, like general casting idea of <laughs> a character. Yeah. We're all kind of weirdos. <laughs> and I have a feeling that a lot of you out there are weirdos too. <laughs> and I think I wasted a lot of time auditioning in New York trying to bury that and be the like kind of perfect like type like, I'm going to be that person that everyone just wants to cast. And it wasn't until I started just, like, getting bored and being like, what if I did this and I, like, made this, like, weird choice that feels right and I have the idea to do it, but, like, normally people would tell you not to do that. But I think it truly is a testament. When you look at some of your favorite actors, you look at people like... Bernadette Peters, or like an Annalie Ashford. The people who we really hold as like icon status in our business, Patti Lapone, Liza Minnelli, they're icons and there's no one else like them and they are a little bit 
weird. There's something that you can't put your finger on, and that's what makes them so unique, and they bring so much to whatever role they do. And truly, all of these people up here are people who I deeply am a big fangirl of, and it's because they're, they're bringing something to a role that no one else would ever consider. So the things that make you different and the things that sometimes, especially younger people, that you're sometimes embarrassed about, go towards them. Go deeper into that. It's what's different makes you special. Yes. And I'm just going to say, it's not even, that's not even just a thing. Like, my manager is saying that weird is in now. Like... If you do something strange, it's gonna stand out to the casting directors no matter what. Like, it's not even just this, like, thing you can hold in your heart. It's literally a thing that you can do to move your career forward. It's crazy. Come in dressed as Dr. Dillamond. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's what they're looking for. (laughs) Weird is trending right now. Hashtag weird is now officially trending. Um, I just want to say, I played Lucy in your Good Man Charlie Brown, having never sung before. Now, some of you will listen to the CD after you leave today and go, oh, that's right. She had never sung before. (laughs) Oh, it's so awesome. (laughs) But the point is, I did a Broadway musical having never dreamed of being in a Broadway musical, but dreamed of, I don't know, being the doorman at a Broadway musical. (laughs) So if you dream it, it can happen. And I just want to say everyone up on this stage is part of why I dreamt. And I want everyone here to know that the energy in this room today was magical. You're the most beautiful beings. I have chills right now, having heard all of these people say things that I have needed to hear for so long, and to be in the company of all of you magnificent lovers of Broadway. Let's go out there and be revolutionaries together. Let's use our art to change the world. I'm so grateful to have you here today. Thank you, thank you to BroadwayCon. And thank you, Andrew Keenan-Bolger, Donna Murphy, Emily Skeggs, Leslie Margarita. Goodbye. If you want more information about my guests, go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com. I also wanted to tell you that there is now a new addition to the website. It is a button that says Contributions. This podcast is a true labor of love, and I really, really want to keep doing it for a long time. So if you like listening as much as I love to do it, please feel free to contribute. It would mean the world to me. Also, on Twitter, you can find me at Alana Levine. Instagram is Little Known Facts Podcast, and on Facebook, Little Known Facts Podcast. You can also feel free to rate and review the show on the iTunes show page. This podcast is recorded at Hangar Studios in New York City. This episode was brought to you by Pro Media. Located in Times Square, Pro Media offers both production and post-production services out of its beautiful studios in the heart of New York City. Pro Media Sound Vision. Find out more at promedia.nyc. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, 
and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.